I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another football roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and Andrew Pollard from What Culture Football here to discuss another burning football issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily football podcasts. But Andrew, we are here to talk about the let's just say, changing fortunes of the likes of RB Leipzig, Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain. It's been yep. quite the decade or so for these sides. Oh, it's it's been insane. Um, just just in some preparation for this, because there is some prep now and again. It's crazy. It's a crazy concept, I know. But just to see from where they come from, especially Leipzig, that literally we're looking at 2009 was they were created. They've been in existence for 11 seasons. It's it, it's absolutely insane, and obviously Manchester City. Uh, at least with Manchester City, you can see this is a club that was formed in 1880, I think. So there, there is that there is some history there. Leipzig created from scratch. Paris Saint Germain, just some rich fellas in the 70s, well the late 60s, thought, yeah, Paris is a good place to have a big football team. Let's crack on and see what happened. And then obviously they had their big investment in 2011, I think it was, um, from Qatar. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, if, if you're a fan of these clubs, then I guess it's a brilliant roller coaster to be on. Apart from maybe Red Bull Leipzig, because I wasn't really fans in the <laughs> first place, because it was a, a club that was uh, fabricated from the the remains of another club. But yeah, it's 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 fun to to watch. Yeah, the the catalyst for all this was a great tweet that I think Simon Stone sent out yes. uh, recently, talking about how. 10 or 12 years ago, uh, City were getting battered by Middlesbrough on the final day, as we all remember. I think it was an 8-1 defeat. Yep. Uh, PSG were finishing lower mid-table at best in Liga, and uh, Red Bull Leipzig didn't exist. Let's start, in fact, with, with Red Bull Leipzig. Um, and just for those who are unaware, explain the, I mean, amazing rise of them, but also the, the yeah. huge controversy around them as well. Yeah, well, I think from, from what I can tell, the, the nuggets for the idea of Red Bull Leipzig came around in 2006. Um, a, a chap called Dietrich Meisterschitz, which I'm totally butchering, I'm sure, <laughs> um, who was basically Mr. Red Bull. Um, and it was just like, yeah, we want to we want to we want to make a football team. Why not? Um, uh, by this point, they'd already had uh, Red Bull Salzburgs in place. I think that was 2005 they were formed. The plans were in place for New York Red Bulls. There was a team in Brazil that there is now. And obviously there's countless other teams across the world right now. Um, yeah. And it was more a case of, um, well, it's it's a team that splits opinion, uh, Red Bull Leipzig, because as we saw in the Champions League game against Atletico Madrid, they're a fantastic team to watch. And they've been like that for the last couple of years. And they 
they do so much so the right way. It's it's a, a squad, a setup that's geared around young, vibrant footballers, and and with the the, the, the emphasis on developing these footballers and then selling them on for a profit, as we've seen with Timo Werner. Um, if you're if normally in any other sort of situation, if that was your club, you'd be made up. I mean, Red Bull Leipzig fans will be made up, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that how it was all constructed and it was just a case of. Let's let's just create this club. Let's, let's let's make our own club. Let's throw a load of money on it and let's just try and dominate it. And then, obviously, clearly, the name there is the whole marketing spin where people just originally saw this as a marketing ploy for Red Bull, the energy drink, um, and essentially see all of these clubs I just mentioned as as just yeah, it's just branding tools, as marketing tools, as a way to promote that product. Um, I try to think of the name of the the team that they uh, there it is. That's my microphone falling over. Uh, <laughs> SSV Markenstadt, which is another name I'm probably butchering, but that was the team that became Red Bull Leipzig. That the the football and license for that side was picked up by Red Bull. They changed the name, they changed the kit, the colours, everything, um, and the, the journey kind of begun. They they had pretty instant success. The, the first season in the fifth tier of of uh, German football, they, they came top with. 80 odd points I think it was or 80 points I think it was 22 points ahead of second place from there they had a I think it was three years to get out of the the fourth tier um I think it might have been they got through the second and third two years in Bundesliga two and then here they are the, the the other insane bit is this is only their fourth year in the Bundesliga four years in four seasons in the top division of German football and here they are in the semi-final of a Champions League with people loving them and people hating them it's it's such a um, such a unique club to to see because you can see why people love to watch him, but you can also see why a lot mm. of the uh, the more traditional German clubs and German fans have nothing but disdain uh, for uh, for Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah, I'm trying trying to draw comparisons between English sides. The only things I can think of is like when they were trying to call Hull City Hull City Tigers, or when yeah. Cardiff went all red because of the Horrendous. owner, or the most blindingly obvious one, just in terms of outrage amongst fans is of course Wimbledon becoming MK Dons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the MK Dons example is like you said that that's the the perfect example just without the, the success that's followed Red Bull. Um uh, and I guess as well if you're looking at Wimbledon, just in, in broad sense of the area, there's a lot more bigger teams in very relatively close vicinity as well uh, for, for players to be attracted to. And Wimbledon didn't have the, the financial backing of of a Red Bull per se. Um but yeah, it, it, it's it's it is it's the sort of thing you'd want for your club in a way, but you feel a little bit dirty about having it. Um, but yeah, MK Dons is a great example, uh, and it was uh, you can't help but have a smile when you see that AFC Wimbledon maybe go above MK Dons or they play each other, uh, and AFC Wimbledon get the win after AC Wimbledon have to rise from the ashes, mm. literally the Phoenix Club, as it were, um, to work their way back up the football pyramid into league football, um, surpassing mine and your teams on the way. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that's MK Dons is probably the prime example in terms of English football, just without anywhere near that sort of success. Then, uh, very quickly, before we get onto the other sides that we're going mm. to talk about today, uh, you mentioned RB Leipzig, four seasons in the Bundesliga, yeah. Champions League semi final. Um, success is obviously the end goal, but how long do you see this project going on for? Because there's always the case of when owners kind of not get disillusioned, but just sort of lose interest. Is that a possibility um because that's the danger isn't it yeah I, I guess normally that comes either if there's been a sustained time of no success or if there's they've hit that they've reached that peak and they've they've won the big trophies uh, and then after a few years it's just like all oh, right well 
we've just won another Bundesliga. That's a big deal. Yeah, let, let's go and find someone else to spend our money on. And so maybe there is that. I think I don't think there is that right now. I think that the test with that will be of uh, if if and when Leipzig do win the Bundesliga, whether it's next season, whether it's in three seasons, four seasons. I mean, if you're looking at, at their history, their really annoyingly, frustratingly short history, then they're kind of on track to be winning the Bundesliga at some point soon, just just in terms of like numbers. But obviously you've got Bayern Munich and you've got Borussia Dortmund that will have a lot to say on that. And, and it's going to take a lot to topple Dortmund, uh, sorry, topple Bayern and to topple Dortmund. Mm. Um, but I, th- I think Leipzig, I think that the owners there will be content, very content with the foreseeable. And it's, it's also really good to see how they can get by with with they bring in these young players and then they sell them on and they still kind of maintain their their overall goal. They still mm. achieve success. Um, so it's I mean someone like Nebi Keita leaving that was that was a nothing. Timo Werner's gone and they've gone and got through to the, the Champions League semi final, albeit in a one off game against Atletico Madrid. Um, so th- there's a model there and you have to be impressed with it uh, and and it's just, it's very sustainable. Um, it's just a case of I mean, if how far can you go with this is, is my thing of can mm. you just get by on this model alone to get you to to well to the promised land of being a better side over a season of football than Bayern Munich? That's that's a tough ask. I suppose the blueprint, obviously, for this uh, seems to be Manchester City. We talked about their uh, before money success or, you know, the early days when they were yeah. still getting battered by Borough on the final day. Um, it is, um, it's not your archetypal rags to riches story, but it, it is an incredible change. I was watching the, the documentaries and and footage you've got of them in, you know, playoff finals and playing the likes of Gillingham and Paul Dickoff, Sean Gota. We all remember those days. My friend who's been a Manchester City fan since the mid nineties, who always has to bat away criticisms of her. Glory support, right? <laughs> it's like, no, when all the kids in my school obviously supported Manchester United in the late 90s, he was sat there talking about Man City. Um, it's been a roller coaster for, for fans of theirs, but but an incredible past decade. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you, you make it sounds like one of those poor fellas who everybody else has gone about Eric Cantona and he's big enough, trying to big up Uwe Rossler or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no discredit to Uwe Rossler. But yeah, it's... You, Anytime any club gets this massive amount of, of investment, there's always going to be like, oh, that's it. They've gone and bought the success because, of course, you are. If you've got that much money, you're going to go out in the realms of financial fair play and buy the best players you can to improve your squad to achieve your goals. Um, there's always that that jealousy, that bitterness, that, that and and there's also that element to it of like. Yeah, this may be a little bit unfair that someone could just go in and throw so much money at something, whereas you're you're a, a, another team who you'd be dying for that. But with Manchester City, you, like you, you kind of touched on there, there's all there's it's a bit different because, the, like I said, they were created in 1880. They're a team that have been around for a long time. They're a mainstay of top division English football, and then they fell uh, through the trap door in, into the what is now a Championship, down into what is now League One, uh, playing Wrexham, my boys. Um, so yeah, it's to see them come back up from that to to uh, it it is it's it's admirable to see that they, they got themselves back to the premier league and they got themselves to be relatively competitive and also it was there was that fun kind of season or two where there was that like transition of like we've got a bit of money now but we, we haven't really got like the stupid money but we're going to buy people like alano and Martin yes Petrov. that's i was immediately thinking of <laughs> yeah, it was it was great for them at that point in time. He was a perfect signing for them for what they needed. 
But then when they go out a couple of years later and buy like a, a Yaya Tori, it's like, yeah, okay, diff, different levels there. But yeah, there was there was like a year or two of like, right, we're going to buy really good players who are better than what we've got, but they're not the top world-class players that necessarily might win us leagues, but it's a stepping stone. And, and I guess that's the, the Mark Hughes years. Um, I was going to say, yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording about that surreal time when Mark Hughes was managing Manchester City and you could literally see Roberto Mancini sat behind him in the stands going, Look after it for me, because I'll be in <laughs> a few days. Tomorrow morning, time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm not one to, I don't like to use the word literally, because I think it's getting thrown around, but it was like, that was literally, he's there, Mancini, in the stands. And a funny side story of that, because Mark Hughes from Wrexham, is that he got fired on the Saturday after the game, and then sat, the Sunday was in a local pub in Robin, which is a small town in Wrexham, um, and uh, and he just walked in, and everybody was like, oh, Sparky, Mark Hughes, because that's where he's from, he's the hometown, everybody's talking to him, buying him rounds of beer, came to his round, like, oh, you're around Mark, and he's just like, piss off, lads, and off he went, out of the pub, with his, uh, however many, yeah, millions of severance, I, that, that's a story that does around around these parts, but um, I, I believe it is true, but yeah, it was, it was a strange time, but you, there was a lot of cynicism and, and, and critical thought there of, it's a bit harsh on Mark Hughes that, but you look at the, I mean, in the cold, hard light of day, then the Mancini uh, move was was the right move to make for Manchester City, mm. um, and and it paid dividends. That when the the big investment came in, what was it? I think it was officially through in September two thousand eight uh, from the Abu Dhabi United group, which is the, the the group that is still in place now, and they they brought in, they kind of paid for Rubinho before they'd officially been given control of the club. That was that mad deadline day last minute and Rubinho's doing a press conference talking about how he, he can't wait to play for Chelsea and it's like eh, wrong team mate wrong <laughs> team but we'll let that slide uh, but they'd already brought in company six million they brought in Zabaleta uh, Craig Bellamy Wayne Bridge again I'm talking about these players that were kind of that stepping stone I, I love Craig Bellamy but he, he wasn't quite the Sergio Aguero for example but then it was that that summer of 2009 when that was their first summer with the full fire firepower force behind them, and they go out and they buy Carlos Tevez. They I think it's 25 million on Emmanuel Adebayor, which was at the time he was one of the best strikers in the country. Uh, it's Julian Lescott from Everton, Rocky Santa Cruz, the handsome bastard. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know what a player, what a man, what, what a specimen. Um, <laughs> Polo Torre came in, which kind of played a part in Yaya Torre turning up uh, 18 months later, I think it was. Gareth Barry, Patrick Vieira, who a lot of people forget about on a free transfer. So it was that 2009 summer was when it was like, yeah, we're we're taking this seriously now. And, and then he got rid of like Tel Ben-Hayim uh, and Didi Herman and, and Darius Vassell. So it's like there's, again, levels. Uh, but from 2009 onwards, it was just... It was, those few summers were just bonkers, weren't they? Yeah, like, yeah. Stylian Petrov, I seem to remember, who's going yeah. there. Yeah, uh, Martin uh, Petrov. Martin Petrov, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I always yeah. get those confused. Yeah, but Martin Petrov went there. Um, and it was, I, I do remember playing football manager and just having fun with that, but also fantasy football, just not knowing who was going to stop or yeah. who was even going to end up at their club. And yeah, that weird transition where they, they, like you say, sort of went up in levels. And then, of course, you have Mario Balotelli, Aguero, the, the, the classic final day uh, result against QPR. That mad, mad game. Um, and now look at them. They are arguably one of the favourites to win the, the Champions League. And I'm intrigued to see what happens if they do win that, like you say, in five, ten years' time, as to, all right, well, what else do you want to still achieve? Obviously, you probably just want to achieve more doubles, possibly even a treble. But yeah, I don't know. I, I You know, Man City fans aren't going to ever be complaining about winning trophies. But 
I don't know what the end goal here is. Maybe just to establish uh, City to be, as they have become, a regular top four side, you know, who can compete with the likes of Liverpool and, and Man United. And the, the the question and the argument of, oh, well, you bought all that success. I think also we need to probably mention that Man United didn't just sort of stumble upon mm. Uh, the success yeah. that they had. Obviously, they had an incredible developmental system, the class of '92 and what have you. But you know, they, they nowadays, I don't think United fans can really chuck that accusation around. Obviously, Chelsea have done it as well in the past. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, let's talk about PSG, though, and how they became a European powerhouse. Because as I mentioned in that tweet, they were finishing, yeah. I think it was 13th in Liga yeah. about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, it was It was 13th in the 2009-10 season. The year before that was 16th. Um, and, and I think the year after was, I think that might have been, I don't know, but they, they, they had this weird, cause they had their, their brief flutter in the nineties, in the mid nineties, well, which was the last time they got to a Champions League semi-final. I think it was a 94, 95 season or might be 95, 96, but they, they won the league in 94, 95. And that was a Patrice local David Ginola side that, uh, many still revere to this day. But yeah, after that, it kind of. Went off a cliff for a little bit with Paris Saint-Germain. And that was when Lyon uh, took over as a dominant force in uh, in French football. Um, a Lyon team had Janino just scoring free kicks from wherever he wanted to score from. It was it was so much fun to see. He was, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, Paris Saint-Germain. It 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 really was uh, that that investment completely saved their ass. Really, when you you just look at the the positions they finished in the league because um, there was 2011 was which was the first year after the investment before that it had been 13th 16th 15th and then you come to 2011 bit of money's thrown at them fourth the year after that second and then the year after that they've won seven out of eight league earned titles so it's like it's money talks and that is the prime example of it uh the, again levels of the players before there was a, a Jeremy Clement who was okay um but that was 
that wasn't great. That was this is we're talking about 2009, 2010. There was a Mamadou Sako when he was a genuine prospect, and then he he came to the Premier League and yeah, less about that. <laughs> Crystal Crystal Palace fans and Liverpool fans will back me up on that one. And then he had a, a pre-Sunderland uh, Stefan Sessegnon in midfield. Uh, but this this is, again, a decade ago. But you see that then the investment comes in 2011 and it completely changed it. And and you've got the, the actual ruler of Qatar is the owner. The ruler of Qatar. It's like, it's like, like Cycle Sid, the master and the ruler of the world. It's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, that, obviously through the Qatar Sports Investments Group, QSI. But yeah, it, it's backed by one of the richest, I mean, all of these clubs are backed by rich people, in particular Manchester City and and, um, and Paris Saint-Germain. But Paris Saint-Germain has got pretty much the, well, they're obviously the, the richest club in France and backed by one of the richest people on the planet and just one of the most dominant forces in world football. But with them, they've got the... The other side of this is like, okay, I can see why you'd invest so much money in a club in Paris when um, when when it's it's an easy one to turn around. If you've got a load of money, you look at what big cities, what what continental attractive cities are out there that we could draw players to. Uh, Paris is is, is clearly a, an obvious standout. But then the reality is the league. Once you start dominating it with Paris Saint Germain, the league is not competitive. There's We've seen Monaco have their moments and then they couldn't cope financially and, and everybody got sold off. They had that fire sale where Falcao went, Bakayoko went, and Mbappe had to go. Um, we've seen Marseille kind of resurgence at times. We saw Lille, but all their best players went, Johan Kabay, Eden Hazard. So there's, and Leon, of course, are kind of getting back to where they were, but that's the thing. Leon looked great, but they just cannot compete with Paris Saint-Germain. And so you, you've got this... It's, it's essentially a one-horse race every season. So how far can you take this club? It's all about European glory, I think, with Paris Saint-Germain because the, the league's almost redundant. That's just a, a given. Uh, is this unquestionably PSG's best chance ever to win the Champions League, would you say? Yeah, I think I think you have to you have to look at it like that, really. Um, probably, they, if you're a Paris Saint-Germain fan, you probably want to play Red Bull Leipzig uh, more than you want to play um, Atletico Madrid. So that's, mm. that's done you a favour from last night. Uh, I think... I think Red Bull, we've seen, they weren't afraid to have a go at Atletico Madrid from the get-go. And you're Paris Saint-Germain, you're thinking like, okay, they want to play like that. We've got just as much firepower. It's probably twice as much firepower <laughs> going forward ourselves, even if Mario Acardi cannot be asked to run. We've still got Neymar. We'll have a, a fully fit Mbappe by then. So yeah, you think if you're Paris Saint-Germain, you, you're looking at that and you, you're thinking you should be nailed on for the final. But me personally, even though we've talked about the the not so positive things about, I'd love to see Rebel Leipzig um, just just do a number on Paris Saint Germain. Mm, yeah, but I think it's going to be a, whoever makes it throughout of that. It's going to be a fascinating final because it's yeah. you know it could well be uh, two sides who've never won the Champions League in the in the final, depending on how results go for Leon, Man City, uh, and of course they're going to play the winner of Barcelona, Bayern Munich. I want to talk about Barcelona in a second, but before that, uh, we talked and have talked obviously quite a lot recently about Newcastle's takeover and how that fell through and the, the yeah. insane amounts of investment that was being speculated uh, regarding that. Do you think any other sides could could emulate Manchester City's success and see that sort of investment? Uh, I, I really don't know. When you mentioned, when you mentioned we might talk about this on the pod, it's like, where how where how do you even start with this? Because it's it's like you literally just sat at home with some Scrooge McDuck levels of cash, thinking I want to buy a football club. Where do I go with this? I mean, one that jumps out straight away was Wolves because of the. I love the setup they've got there. I love the mm. way they play football. Um, just everything about Wolves is that they're one of those teams that become everybody's like second or third favorite team to watch. Mm. Them in Sheffield United probably if we're talking Premier League football. Um, 
but it all depends how much uh, the, the the people behind Wolves are willing to invest. But if you're talking about purely from a, right, I want to go out and buy a football club, I want to do Manchester City, I want to do a Paris Saint-Germain, yeah, I, th- I think Newcastle was a great, great uh, shout for, for that club, just because if you're looking in England or in the Premier League, you're looking at somewhere where it's a, a big city with a passionate fan base, ideally already plugged into place. Um, and I mean, we they don't get much more passionate than Newcastle fans. And it's just... Mm. It's such a shame that one didn't happen because everything was there, the setup was there, um, the stadium was there. The only thing that wasn't there is is the the, the squad. Uh, and if you're coming in with a massive wedge of cash, you can do that. But in terms of who else could do that, who else could emulate City, um, it's a, it's a tough one because you look at the. I mean, London, you've got Spurs and Arsenal there. Yeah. So, I mean, w- would anybody want to come in and invest heavily in in a London club? Um, when Spurs and Arsenal and Chelsea are obviously clearly the daddies of that territory. We've seen it before uh, with Tully Fernandez coming in and investing a, a shed load of money in QPR and that backfired spectacularly. Uh, but yeah, you could probably put that down to mismanagement and bad signings, though, I think. Uh, let's get a 34-year-old Rio Ferdinand who can't run. Uh, who, Rio Ferdinand, one of the best defenders of his, of his generation, mm. undoubtedly, but not at that point in time he wasn't. So, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Cause, yeah, I think you go regional. Um, we've seen, I mean... We saw Cardiff get investment. Um, that that hasn't really that's that's been up and down, um, successful or not successful. Yeah, you're thinking what what are the if you're a prospective buyer, you're looking at what cities are going to be um, what are going to work for you commercially, uh, and also what what locations a player is going to want and come for rather than just come for a massive load of cash, which they'll undoubtedly get as well. I mean, have you got anybody in mind that you think would be a a great kind of rags to riches story? Well, I'm going to say Chesterfield. Chesterfield Chesterfield or Wrexham, probably. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that, mate. Either or. No, I I think you're right. I think uh, when Newcastle's name is mentioned, you did think, well, that's only, you know, one of few viable places. Like, I've lived in many places around England. Uh, I'm from Derbyshire, Chesterfield, but obviously I know Sheffield very well. And I think that's, you know, a place that has got another rabid fan base for both sides. There and Leeds, of course. I'm just mentioning. I'm just mentioning United and Wednesday when I'm talking about Sheffield there, but they've got Leeds in Yorkshire, of course. Um, uh, the West Midlands, yeah. I mean, Villa, Birmingham, West Brom, Wolves, the, the Coventry. The list goes on and on there. Um, but I, I think you asked Newcastle fans and you asked, you know, casual fans just in the northeast, unless they're Sunderland fans or Middlesbrough fans. But anyway, they would love to see that sort of investment. But I. I it's really odd. I think the other element of this is the fact that, not to dismiss it as much, but when Chelsea and City came through, yes, you already had sides who were established who were competing for those Champions League spots. But like you said, if you said, well, if you chuck a few hundred million out, you're probably guaranteed to get in the Champions League. Now, I, I don't think it's that simple. If you established a new side, let's just call them Premier League side A that you invest in, you have got to go up against Liverpool, City, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham, you know, Arsenal coming back into it. You've got all the, all the other clubs that we've talked about, Sheffield United, Wolves, Burnley, these clubs going on, these intense runs. Everton, I mean, Everton, you know, should be doing far better than they, they've done in previous seasons. The list goes on and on and on when it goes to that. And I, I think if you're just saying, well, we're going to throw money at this problem and hopefully get in the Champions League in three seasons, I don't think it's that straightforward. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. You've, you've got to know how to handle it. And to be fair to, to Leipzig, they they did that really well with Rob Ragnick. And now, obviously, um, it, just the way things have gone with Leipzig, they seem to have 
that's that's the annoying bit. I, I keep going back to it is they've set about things in the, really the right way, apart from the very fact of let's just throw money at it and start a club and take over another club and change our identity. But everything since then has been so well. Um, and, and now with Nagelsmann, they're, they're getting that reward. But I, I think, yeah, you need you need a good structure from top to bottom. You need people who you can trust with that money. Um, and and it's not it's not a quick fix. We saw with Manchester City, we talked about Mark Hughes. Uh, and while Mark Hughes, he, he got them up to, I think it was eighth the, the year before he got, because he got fired in the December, the mm, season yeah. before that he finished eighth. Um, and and I mean eight's not bad, but there's it's going to be a couple of years. It's a process. We saw um, with uh, Claudio Ranieri at Chelsea before Jose came in. Ranieri got them to I think second, um, and it was he and he, he again. It was that process, that fun process of seeing like what players they were getting, and then Jose comes in and just was like, right, I'm just going to spend a, a, a massive load of money now. Um, we're going to bring in whoever. I'm going to bring in all my lads from Portugal who I know are really really good and I could trust. Um, and yeah, it's. It, whichever club it is, it gets this next massive. Way. If it was say say for example, it was Newcastle that deal went through, then realistically, I think you'd you'd have to look at two years at least, maybe three mm. years before you can seriously be in contention to to do anything of, of note in in terms of pushing for a title, because it's it's going to be trial and error to to an extent. Um, you might have to go through some managers, and you've also got to see if if maybe that owner loses interest. Um, Tony Fernandez with QPR, we saw that he he went and threw loads of money at it at first, and then when he realised it wasn't working, it was like, well, I don't really want to spend more money on this mm. because yeah, Mike Ashley spending no money whatsoever on Newcastle, but yeah, it's um, it's not just a case of the, I mean Everton again, Everton you mentioned there, that's an example. Mishiri's come in, loosen the the purse strings a little bit there. There's a bit more money in Everton have have historically been used to, and yet you look at some of the signings that have been made and and it's. Everton, since restart, have looked absolutely horrendous. Uh, a lot of my mates that are Everton fans have just been completely bashing them. And rightly so. They just look disinterested. They look not up to the job. And and there's a lot of work to do still in this team. Mm. They've spent a lot of money to get to a team that's not great. £60 million on Gilfie Sigerson. I know that was before Mashiri, but I love Gilfie. Uh, uh, but mm. these days, the dude ain't, ain't cutting it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just there's so many elements to take into account when with any sort of takeover. Uh, finally, we've talked about a lot of the Champions League teams here, of mm. course. Uh, not really worth mentioning the likes of Lyon and Bayern Munich. They've got their own stories that I've no, do- no doubt will cover uh, another day. But uh, I'm intrigued to know your thoughts on the future of Barcelona. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff when Lionel Messi leaves or retires, whatever comes first. Um, but what does the future hold for them? Because it's they're, they're in kind of a flux at the moment. Yeah, it's... It is. It's a strange one with Barca. Well, it's not a strange one. It's a natural one. It's it's just it seems like the end of a cycle for a team. We've seen it so many times over the years. Um, I think to me, you look at it. Has it been managed well? I, I don't think it's been managed that well. The, the fact that yeah, okay, we we won La Liga last year, the year before. So there's no problems here. We don't need to worry about anything whatsoever. Um, and then now they come second, and all of a sudden it's like everybody's losing their mind. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's an aging squad. There's no doubt around that. I mean. It's, it's a strange season for them because you look at like someone like Arturo Vidal who ended up playing I think it was 38 games in all competitions whereas he was somebody who was they've been trying to offload for, for most of the season um, at 33 years of age but he's had to step in and play Frankie de Jong's had some injuries has looked good in, in starts but yeah um, it's it's an aging team uh, and then you they had someone like Arturo that came through and looked really good uh, as, as promised in the midfield I think he's 24 now but he's off to Juventus in mm. next month September that's already agreed for 60 or million but it's a tricky one for Barca right? I think if they're not careful I mean well, I don't know how they get around it but they, they could have a tricky few years because mm. you, you, you it's all pinned on Messi it's 
you can argue that for a long time it's always been pinned on Messi, but he's had people around him that have helped out, whether it's Xavi and, and Iniesta or whether it's Suarez. Um, there's 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 always been people around him. But right now you look at it and I mean, there's the talk of Luis Suarez being offloaded as well. They're, they're keen to get him off the books. So if he goes as well, Griezmann's not maybe settled as well as they would have hoped. He's had an okay season, but when you're spending that sort of money on somebody, you want them to fit in a bit quicker and have mm. a better season. So it's it's probably more on Messi than it's ever been right now for Barca. Um, and I mean, Ansu Fati is coming through 17, um, who's looking look really really good. I think he managed to get 30 some 30 something games this season. But there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and Barca don't have that much money. That's what we we keep hearing about. Our Barca haven't got the money to spend. These stories of of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being offered to Barcelona to, to get his twenty odd million wages off the books at Juve, and it's like great. But even if they wanted him, they they couldn't get mm. him right now. The Barca have got no money, or they're going to be shrewd with their business. Uh, Rakitic looks to be off as well. Vidal looks like he probably will go this summer. Suarez maybe. So you're left with an aging squad. Um, and you you left with no money to really rebuild it in mm. in a to, well to get the rebuild work done that needs to be done. It'll be it's a fascinating topic. I feel like mm. one that we will delve into again in the future. Yeah. But uh, let us know your thoughts on the uh, rise and rise of uh, Man City, <laughs> PSG, and RB Leipzig in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And subscribe to What Culture Football uh, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. You can also continue the conversation on Twitter at What Culture FC. And while you're there, follow both of us. You can follow Andrew Pollard at at Culture Left Peg. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow our lovely editor at It's Adam Nicholas. And as I said, follow us all at What Culture FC. But this has been it all kicking off. My thanks to Andrew Pollard. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.